So I hope I have convinced you that Revelation is more within your grasp than you realize. You are not innocently waiting on a beach for Heavenly Father to speak to you. You want Him to speak, build a barge, and get moving. You have control over the flow of Revelation. Um, We've seen a general rule. He speaks most earnestly when the danger is high or when you're taking a wrong turn. Quite often, if you're going the right direction, He just lets you go. And as a sign that you are going the right direction, He just lets you go. But as we've looked at the rules of Revelation, especially last week, that we saw that Heavenly, you and Heavenly Father connected through the navel. Those of you who've been to the temple, that should mean something to you. The navel. That you are connected to God through the navel. And that you have an umbilical cord to heaven and you control the flow. Now, rule number one, what we talked about last week is... You control that flow by how well you take care of your body. This body is the instrument through which he speaks to my spirit. And if you want to increase revelation, take better care of your body. Now, along that spirit, along that idea of you controlling the flow, I want to point out a pattern that is repeated over and over and over again. How many times has Jesus basically said, I will bless you if you bless them. I will forgive you if you forgive others. That made its way into the Lord's Prayer, didn't it? How often does Jesus say, forgive and I will bless you? Now, there's two reasons he does it. And I want to talk about the two reasons today. Reason number one is you need to forgive so you stop hurting yourself. Reason number two, you need to forgive so that he flows revelations and blessings upon you. So let's turn, turn with me to Doctrine and Covenants section 64 where he teaches this doctrine. Section 64. I want to point out, he points out two doctrines. These are two significant doctrines. And if you've never paused to let the doctrine distill upon you, we need to today. Doctrine number one is if you do not forgive someone, you're not hurting them. You're hurting yourself. It's like saying, I am so angry at you, I am going to drink poison so you get hurt. That's what unforgiveness does. So he says in verse 8, 64 verse 8, My disciples in days of old sought occasion one against another and forgave not one another in their hearts. Does that sound like a society in which any of you live? And for this evil... They were afflicted and sorely chastened. Now, I personally don't, in my, in my life, I don't think he's saying, I afflicted them. 
I don't think the Lord's saying, how dare you break my commandments? I'm going to punish you for not, for, for not forgiving. I think what he's saying is the act of not forgiving someone doesn't hurt them. It hurts you. So number one, stop the bleeding. It is the dumbest thing in the world that we do it because someone hurts me and I get it. Someone I know every one of us have someone who has done something horrible to you, caused great pain in your life. I know someone has hurt you and it is natural to want to hurt them back. And holding on to that grudge and holding on to that anger and being angry and unforgiving, we think we're hurting them back for hurting us. But do you see the stupidity of it? The stupidity? First, they hurt me, and then I hurt me. They win again. Why do I let them do that? First, they hurt me and did something horrible to me. And then I hold on to this, this grudge and I hurt me. I hurt me. I don't hurt them. I hurt me. So I think Heavenly Father says, first stop the bleeding. Stop hurting yourself in this desperate act to hurt them back because it doesn't hurt them. It doesn't hurt them to hate them. It doesn't hurt them to, to hold on to this resentment. The only person it hurts is you. First they hurt you, and now you hurt you. Let me illustrate. Nope, oh, we'll need that price of gold in just a second. For much of our lives, this is H. Burke Peterson, General Authority Emeritus years ago. For much of our lives, we lived in central Arizona. Some years ago, a group of teenagers from a local high school went on an all-day picnic into the deserts on the outskirts of Phoenix. As some of you know, the desert foliage is rather sparse, mostly mesquite, catclaw, and palo verde trees with a few cactus scattered here and there. In the heat of the summer, where there are thickets of this desert growth, you may also find rattlesnakes as unwelcomed residents. These young people were picnicking and playing, and during their frolicking, one of the girls was bitten on the ankle by a rattlesnake. As is the case with such a bite, the rattler's fangs released venom almost immediately into her bloodstream. This very moment was a time of crucial decision. They could immediately begin to extract the poison from her leg, or they could search out the snake and destroy it. Their decision made, the girl and her young friends pursued the snake. It slipped quickly into the undergrowth and avoided them for 15 or 20 minutes. Finally, they found it, and rocks and stones soon avenged the infliction. Then they remembered their companion had been bitten. They became aware of her discomfort, as by now the venom had had time to move from the surface of the skin deep into the tissues of her foot and leg. Within another 30 minutes, they were at the emergency room of the hospital. By then, the venom was well into its work of destruction. 
A couple of days later, I was asked to visit her in the hospital. As I entered the room, I saw a pathetic sight. Her foot and leg were elevated, swollen almost beyond recognition. The tissue in her limb had been, had been destroyed by the poison, and a few days later it was found that her leg would have to be amputated below the knee. It was a senseless sacrifice, this price of revenge. How much better it would have been if after the young woman had been bitten, there had been an extraction of the venom from the leg in a process known to all desert dwellers. How did killing the snake make her better? How does hurting them back make you better? It doesn't. And it only hurts you. And that's dumb. First they hurt you, and then you hurt you by holding on to the venom inside you. So let it go. Number one, stop the bleeding. Stop the bleeding. And all those, and I know some people have done horrible things to you, but stop the bleeding that you're causing yourself. That's doctrine number one. Let's switch back to doctrine number two. So here's number one, verse eight. For this evil, they were afflicted and surely chastened. An unforgiving heart doesn't, the pers- doesn't hurt the person who hurt you. It hurts you. They hurt you, and then you hurt you. Now, next verse has the next doctrine, and this takes some explanation, so bear with me, because I will, I will address, I know what you're concerned, and I, I know you're all saying, oh, what, what? we'll fix the what uh, in just a minute. But hear the doctrine. Wherefore I say unto you that you ought to forgive one another, For he that forgiveth not his brother his trespasses standeth condemned before the Lord. So do you see where we're going? First, you hurt you, and then you're not allowing the Lord to bless you. So let's talk about this one. I command you to forgive. If you don't, I can't help you. I can't bless you. For there remaineth in him the greater sin. So let me clarify. If anyone in this room was abused as a child from someone you trusted, it's a horrible thing to go through. If you fail to forgive them, you commit the worst sin. Now, I know there's a, uh-uh, hold on, I'll, I will address the, uh-uh, but let's focus on you. How do you commit the worst sin? How do you commit the worst sin than the person who did horrible things to you? Let's clarify that. So everyone turn to Matthew chapter 18, 18, Matthew chapter 18 in the New Testament. Let's get this beautiful parable from the Lord where he's going to tell us, how is it that I commit the greater sin? Matthew 18. All right, let's start in verse 23. 
All right, anyone want to read? I'm going to draw. I need someone to be my reader. Who wants to read? Carrie Ann, please. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Keep going. Just read all the way to the end of the chapter. Okay. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosened him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out, found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence, and he laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet, and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison, Till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their lord all that was done. Then his lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had? Compassion on thy fellow servants, even as I had pity on thee. And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, that he should pay all that was due unto him. Okay, now that's a significant piece. I, I got to make sure you understand. Do you understand what happened? So servant one owes the king, he forgave him. But when he couldn't forgive servant two, tell me what happened to servant one. The debt that was forgiven was returned. He got his debt back. His Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. He got the debt back. His little act of ingratitude offended the king and he got the debt back. And so Jesus concludes, one more. Sorry. <laughs> I'll read it. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts, not through your lips, from your hearts, forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. So, that's a great parable. Until we put a little bit of meat on the bones, it's still a great parable. The king has a servant who owes him 10,000 talents. He can't pay it. He's a servant. And so he's going to throw him in prison. He begs for forgiveness. The king looses him the debt. A 10,000 talent debt. The same guy has servant number two who owes him 100 pence. He demands him that he pay him. He can't. He doesn't. So he throws him in prison. 
Who is it that servant number one offended? How is it that my debt is greater than the guy who did a horrible thing to me? The guy who did a horrible thing to me offended me. By not forgiving him, I offend God. There's the difference. Now, the reality is the guy that did a horrible thing to me still has a debt to God. And that's the uh aha. But you hurt me, and by hurting you, I offend God. And that's worse. That's worse than what you did to me. What I'm doing to God is worse than what you did to me. That's the doctrine. Now let's put some meat on these bones. Let's talk about this debt. Jesus is deliberately being astronomical in the number, okay? A talent, I need a calculator. Anyone want to be my calculator? Whitney, you're my calculator, okay? If you were to look it up in the Bible dictionary, weights and measures, one talent equals 75.6 pounds. That's a talent. This is not an ability. A talent is a weight. Now, we're going to make an assumption here. It doesn't say in the parable, but knowing what Jesus is trying to say, we're going to make an assumption. A weight of what? What would you guess the metal is? Let's assume gold, right? So, 75 pounds, one talent of gold. Now, I just looked it up. Today's price of gold is $1,883.60. Ready, Whitney? So let's figure out how much one talent is worth. So I need you to times this by 16 because we need to get it in ounces. So 75.6 times 16 times $1,883.20. One talent of gold today, September 28th. 2023, one talent of gold is worth $2,278,220. And he owes how many talents? 10,000. So let's move the decimals four spots. That's one ounce. That's one ounce. That's why you have to times it by 16. So how much, how much does king, servant number one owe the king? $22 billion. $22 billion. This is a $22 billion debt. And what's his occupation? He doesn't own a Tesla company. He doesn't sell electric cars or market products through Amazon. He does what? He washes dishes and shovels horse poop. He's a servant. He's a king's servant. And he owes the king $22 billion. Now, do you see what Jesus is doing? What is that debt? That is my debt to God. 
That is what I owe God for life, salvation, and every blessing I've ever received. I owe him $22 billion and I can't pay it back. Never in all of eternity will I pay him back. And so he says what? Tell me what he says. It's okay. I forgive you. I forgive you $22 billion. What kind of king can forgive a $22 billion debt? And he waives the $22 billion debt. Now let's, let's do this one. A couple parables later in Matthew chapter 20, a servant will work from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. and be paid a penny. And the plural form of penny is pence. So this is a hundred pennies, a hundred 12-hour shifts. So Whitney, let's assume $15 an hour, not, not even minimum wage, but $15 times 12 times 100. This guy owes servant, servant number two owes servant number one, $18,000. Now that's a lot of money unless you compare it to 22 billion. Now here's your choice. This rotten scoundrel who did horrible things to you owes you 18,000. And man, does he owe you 18,000. Now you can require 18,000. You can require him to pay 18,000. And if you do, what's it going to cost you? 22 billion. You can require the 18,000. What you said, what you did to me, you pay it back. I want my 18,000. And the Lord says, fine. I want my 22 billion. Your call. You set the terms. Do you want the 18,000 $18, still? Now, here's the other offer on the table. If you will let go of the 18,000. And my favorite word in the parable, my favorite word is this one. Loose him. Meaning? Let it go. Let it go here in your head. Let it go here in your heart. Loose them. Free them. If you are willing to loose them 18,000, if you're willing to give up what you're holding on, what do you gain? 22 billion. Your call. You get to choose. You get to choose how much God forgives you and how quickly. I love that doctrine. It wouldn't be fair. It is hypocritical to say, you have to pay me, but you better forgive me.
That's hypocritical. The only fair thing to do is if I expect him to forgive me, then he expects me to forgive him. Your call. It's in your hands. But I testify, the faster you forgive the 18,000, the faster he lets go of the 22 billion. Allow me to give you a very personal experience. I have her permission to share this. After this very lesson, one of my students said, I can't even begin to tell you how much this lesson changed my life, Brother Dunford. In short, for years, I have been trying to forgive my dad for his cruelty towards me and my other family members. I was that little girl who never felt safe around her daddy. As an adult seeking for healing, I have met with priesthood leaders, therapists who specialize in trauma and have counseled with my Heavenly Father, but still my pain from my experience wouldn't go away. Do you know why? Tell me why. Why couldn't she enjoy a, 22 billion, a release of $22 billion? Why couldn't she enjoy that? She was holding on to 18000 Most of it, deep down, was me not wanting to forgive. That's an interesting thought. Me not wanting to forgive and release him. I felt like if I forgave, then it would make what he did to me okay. And it wasn't okay. But isn't that logical thinking? I can't forgive you because then all of a sudden it's okay what you did. That's wrong thinking, though. Listen to what she says. Most of it deep down was me not wanting to forgive and release him. I felt like if I forgave, then it would make what he did to me okay, like no justice would need to be met because I forgave, so it was all good. I would let him off the hook. I wanted him to fix what he did. Now, however, I understand that his debt is not to me. The debt for my dad's sins has never been owed to me. The debt is owed to God. It's so hard to put everything into a text, but I just want to thank you, Brother Dunford, for teaching this lesson, which has allowed me through the atonement of Christ to do something that I've been trying to do for a very long time. I can honestly say that I forgive my dad. Now watch the rush of $22 billion come into her life. Ready? That cost a lot to let go of 18000 Forgiving him does not let him off the hook because he's not on my hook, so to speak. He's on God's hook. What a beautiful thing the atonement of Jesus Christ is. I am free. And not only was I freed, I felt clean. 
after I loosed my dad from what he had done, I felt like Heavenly Father loosed me from things I had done. It was almost like God could only forgive me after I forgave my dad. I am free and I am clean. She had a $22 billion debt erased and felt the weight of that come off her shoulders. Loose them. Loose them. And you will be free. Two doctrines. Number one, if you, hurt, if you hold on to resentment, you don't hurt them, you hurt yourself. So let it go. Doctrine number two, by not forgiving them, by holding on to the 18,000 and demanding payment, you end up paying a whole lot more. That's dumb. Let go. Let go of the 18,000. And watch how quickly God lets go of things you never realized he was not letting go of. You control how much he blesses you. You control how much he forgives you. Loose them. Doesn't mean you have to walk in and be stupid and you can set boundaries. It's very appropriate to set boundaries and not let them harm you again. But in your heart, you have to loose them. And trust that Heavenly Father will take care of that debt. With all my soul, I testify of this doctrine. It is one of the hardest and freeingest blessings. Learn to let it go. In the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement, they would take two goats. One would be sacrificed for the priest and for his house. The other was the scapegoat. They would lay on that goat the burden of the people and run it out of town. Now, obviously, on whom do we lay our burden? It's a symbol of Jesus, right? There's a false form of that. If someone harms you, the natural thing to do is who do you put the burden on to free you of that pain? It's the most natural thing in the world. If you hurt me, who do I hold? Who do I put my burden on to free me of the pain? The person who caused me. Can they? Even if they were the most apologetic they could possibly be, does it free me of the pain? I've often watched people, you know, like their child was murdered and then they thirst for the murderer's blood and they go to the execution. They watch the executioner murdered, executed. And they, they're on television and say, justice was served. And I wonder if they go home feeling better that night. Do you think they go home feeling better because the bad guy got it? They don't. It doesn't heal them. Upon whom is the only person we can lay our burden and he can adequately take it away. Not the person who caused my pain. 
but the Savior. You put your burden on Jesus, and He'll carry it away. You put your burden on someone else, He'll never carry it away. Free yourself through forgiveness. Open the doors of, uh, open the floodgates of blessings by forgiving others. James. So what about forgiving ourselves? And that's where we're going to go next. (laughs) The last point I want to make is sometimes servant number two is some past version of me that made a horrible mistake and I'm paying the price for it. Servant number two is me and the dumb thing I did that embarrasses me to this day. And I say to servant number two, you have caused no end of anguish. And I beat servant two up all the time. Now can servant two ever make it right? And I'm holding on to a, I'm holding on to $8,000 debt because I'm not willing to forgive something I did to me. It's the same doctrine. You want to let go? If you want the freedom of the 22 billion being gone, can you imagine owing someone $22 billion? You want the freedom of that taken away? Forgive even yourself. Forgive that dumb thing you did when you were 16 that has caused you no end of embarrassment and grief. Loose them. Let it go. I guarantee God is much quicker to forgive you than you're willing to forgive yourself. Stop the bleeding. Stop hurting yourself because someone else hurt you. And let go of the 18,000. And watch the freedom that comes into your life when He forgives the 22 billion. Of Him, I bear testimony. He is the only person who can take my pain away. The person who caused it can't, even in I'm the one that caused it. He is the only one that can take my pain away. And of his ability to do so, I testify. I stand as a witness that he can take it away. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.